Hey guys, good to be here this morning and a uh, long time uh, kind of visitor resident of Marble Falls where we were looking at my phone on the way down, coming down yesterday afternoon and you know how iPhone now tracks the time, the dates and the locations of when you took that photo, right? No selfies on my phone, but photos of other people on my phone and so you won't find those selfies on my phone but we were looking back and me and my daughter came first back in, was it 2009, March of 2009 was our first trip down to Marble Falls and uh, just been a great experience and a great trip every time down since and built really lifelong friends with Jim and Joy and uh, just done uh, three seven projects down here with you guys to talk a little bit more about that a little bit to a Marble Falls 2012 and 2015 just last year and then also burn it in 2015 so a lot of good ministry experience Jim bought me my first camo shirt ever right it's awesome took me down to uh, Walmart and got me that uh, camo shirt for Masterpiece and Made an embarrassment out of everybody when I got to talk about men and purity and all that kind of stuff. And Jim's like, you know, gritting his teeth and all squirming and all crazy about what's Kyle going to say. And so uh, it's been a good, good trip down here. I wanted to start this morning. And I wanted to um, do something that we don't do enough of in the church. And I love the way Pastor Jim and Joy have built this church on family, on community, and about being together. One of my frustrations, me and my wife talk about this a lot. This is my wife, Janelle. Janelle, you can wave at everybody. Um, you, you, you guys met Janelle. She doesn't get to come down with me every time, but she did get to this time. But one of my frustrations is this. The church a lot of times is built on rock star worship teams, right? I mean, we got the skinny jeans, the faux hawks, the tattoos on our biceps and underarms. And, like, we've got, like, this cool stage show. And then we've got this rock star pastor or preacher that comes up. And he's got, like, 15 million followers on Twitter. And he's got podcasts. And he's got T-shirts and cool websites. And we've made church such about celebrity and stardom and all this stuff that happens on the stage. And we fail to miss the most important thing of church, and that's the people within. And I, this is the way like, I think church is someday if the Lord ever lets me be a pastor. This is the way I hope to build the church that I get to lead. Is that I want it to be more about the people in the pew than the people on the stage, if that makes sense. And sometimes we fail to realize the needs, the hurts, the pains the struggles that people are going through that come, in, come into, come inside our churches. So this morning, I know there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of stuff going on. And the trick is this, is that when we come in, we don't put up walls or put up divisions to where we won't let someone in our world. Because a lot of times people come to church and they, they're like so hard. They're stone cold, right? And they're like, no one's going to touch me. No one's going to get inside this shell. No one's going to do what, we're, what, what God's wanting to do. And we'll sit back and the pastor may call, hey, if you got a need, I want you to stand. Or if you got a need, raise your hand. What do we do? We just I can make it, I can tough it out, I can grit and bear it and white knuckle it and everything's going to be okay. But if we'll be open, we'll be a little bit vulnerable, I know that's a tough word, and we'll let people like family get into our world, then we can overcome the pain, the hurt, the circumstances that we're in. And I just, I just knew like last night as we were talking and as we were driving, I knew this morning I was supposed to pray for some needs. Uh, I, we, Pastor Jim mentioned it, joy. Joy, your back has been hurting for the last couple weeks, months, however long. We're, we're going to pray for Pastor Joy that her back would be healed, right? My wife has been struggling for the last six months or so with her feet. Her feet's just killing her nonstop. And we're going to pray that her feet would become well, too. And, and if you guys would stand, I know your back's probably hurting to stand. And, you know, your feet would hurt to stand. Um, these ladies are getting old, right? I mean, what's going on with us? We're, we're, we're like middle-aged white people all of a sudden. Like yesterday, I just promised I graduated high school. And now all of a sudden, uh, we're middle-aged white people. Uh, so I just wonder who would, who would stand with these two. And we're going to pray for them, but we want to pray for you as well. You would stand and say, I've got a need, maybe a physical need. 
maybe something going on in my family, maybe it's close to you that's hurting and in pain, if you would stand right where you're at as well, we just want to take a moment and pray. Yeah. Yeah. And this shows us, right, that we're needy people. And this shows us that we're broken people. And this shows us that we're in need of a Savior. And not without going into a big, long session or sermon on healing and prayer and all those things, but just simply this. There are two things that are needed to produce a miracle. Faith and compassion. And often as Christians that have been raised in the environment of serving God, we often have faith. If you ask every one of us, can God heal the blind? Yes. Can God heal the sick? Yes. Can God deliver us from demonic oppression? Yes. Can God heal feet? Yes. Can he heal backs? Yes. Can he heal and take away cancer? Yes. We all say yes to all those things. But what we often lack is the what? The compassion to be moved to go pray for it, the compassion to be moved to go get inside someone's world and build a relationship to overcome those things with them together. And so Jesus, every time he did a miracle, what was there? It was prayer, and it said he was moved with compassion, prayer and compassion, faith and compassion. This is what I want to do this morning because we, we're building this church on fa faith and family. I want, if you see someone standing and you got the compassion inside of you, I want you to go stand next to them. I'm not going to pray. I'm not like some magic prayer guy, right? I don't have some magic wand that I can wave over everybody. I don't have a white coat that I can throw at you and you fall down and receive healing power. I don't have that, right? My spit, and I do spit a lot, when it falls on you, it doesn't mean you're going to be healed, right? It it's just the body of Christ, and that's where we receive our healing in our life. So if you see someone standing and God's giving you compassion, would you move to that person? And then my wife, I'm going to put her on the spot. At the end, she's going to come up and she's going to pray for all the needs together to close at this moment. So let's move. Let's move. You see someone standing. Let's just go to them, and let's just pray that the body would strengthen the body this morning. Let's go.
Oh, Jesus, we thank you because you are a good father. Lord, you love your children. You love to take care of us. You love to take care of our needs. Lord, this morning we stand on your word and we stand on your promises that you are faithful and that you are a healer. Lord, any need in this house, Lord, even those that weren't mentioned, um, you know, Father, before we even ask, you know what we need. And we ask in faith and in Jesus' name that they all be done. And we thank you, Father, in your name. Amen. Well, if you believe those needs will be met, would you just say amen? Amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Hey, I wanted to come and uh, obviously preach a word. I don't, I don't come as a missionary and just tell you all stories about what we're doing and, and what we've done. I want to preach the word and, and give you hope through God's word. But I would be stupid if I didn't take just a few moments and tell you just a couple of things that have happened along the journey. Um, just this last year, and we're going to show this video, um, just this last year, uh, we saw 11 seven projects take place, and two of those were in Burnett and Marble Falls. And out of those 11, we saw somewhere around, uh, I think about 1,500 to 2,000 students come back to all of our night services. And out of those numbers that came back to our night evening services, we saw 589 students walk forward and give a, a confession, give a report, stand up and make a prayer that they were going to make Jesus Lord and Savior over their life. And that's awesome, right? 589 students, really, really awesome rejoicing that. One of those stories, one of those, those uh, numbers that are in there, because this is what I found out, behind every number there's a story. And sometimes we get all excited about numbers, and we fail to remember that there's a story or a person or a face behind each of those. In Wiley, Texas, back in September 2015, we were doing a service, and I, I didn't know what was going on. Man, I'm just preaching, you know, up there screaming and hollering and going crazy. And little did I know that in the back, and I didn't even, I, I honestly I didn't even get to meet these people. This was stories from some of the youth pastors that were there. It was a mother who brought her two sons. In the assemblies that morning, two sons, and I didn't know this, but two Muslim sons would grab two of our cards that we hand out at the end of the assemblies, and they would come back to the house and say, Mom, we've got to go to the night service. Little did I know that Mom had just separated from strong, staunch Muslim dad, and that the two boys would persuade the mother to come to the night service that night. The mother, along with her two Muslim boys, stood in the back the entire time and waited. And I got up. I didn't know. I meant like if I would have known, Jim, you know me, I would have probably like walked back in there and been in their face all crazy style. But I didn't know. I didn't know. And I gave the altar call like I normally do, and I asked if you want to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, then come forward. Raise your hand. Mom and two sons, listen, at the risk of their own lives. At the risk of their own lives, walked an altar and gave their hearts and life to Jesus Christ in Wiley, Texas. I'm going, amen. I mean, if that's in today's culture doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does. And then marching through story after story. I don't have time to tell you all of them, but I wanted you to see just a snapshot on these beautiful TVs. Aren't these beautiful TVs that your church has provided? I walked in. I, didn't, I wasn't even going to show a video, but I saw these TVs. And I was like, I want to show a video on these cool TVs. So I wanted to show a couple of months later after Wiley what took place in Denton, Texas, a very liberal very hard city to get into. We were able in Denton, Texas. Watch this video.
So it's really cool about what happened in Denton was the pastor who also semi-planted a church and started with humble beginnings has brought his church now to a, an awesome place and they've grown. And uh, he did it by street to street. He did it by house to house. He did it by just going and, and being the church in the community. And when he comes up to me afterwards, he says, Kyle, like one, one of the probably the most important salvations, if there could be that term, right? One of the most important salvations tonight is, is that a young lady two doors down from us that lives on our street, we've been trying to get her to come to church forever. My daughter, my son have been witnessing you, talking to her. And tonight, I was like, oh, you don't have to tell me. Tonight, that young lady finally accepted Jesus Christ. Was it because Seven Project was so awesome? No, 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 no. It was just a climactic moment. It was all those years of prayer, all those years of asking questions, all those years of building conversation that came to that moment. And that next door neighbor came to know Jesus Christ through Richard Norris in his church called Eagle Point Community. I'm like, dude, praise God. And so if you can remember us in prayer this week, we're kind of going to kick the, the dust and the rust off because we haven't done this in a while because of Christmas break and Thanksgiving. So our last one was Denton back at the end of October, 1st of November. And now this week we're going to be in Midlothian, Texas, real close to home. We're excited about that one, right? I keep my truck and trailer about 15 minutes from this school. And so we'll be close to home. We're going to kick the dust off. We're going to a middle school of about 1,100 students, and we're going to talk to them this week about Jesus Christ. And we're trusting 350, 400 students come back to night service and hundreds give their hearts to Christ. Amen. So thank you. Pastor Jim, Joy, thank you for giving to us. You've been faithful, faithful supporters, and you've always been there along the way to over the top bless us in our ministry. We really, really appreciate that. And the same back to you, man. We just pray, Janelle and I on the way down here, on the way home, we pray for you guys that God would bless your endeavor. We're excited about what's happening at Mosaic Church, right? We're excited about the synergy and the, the way you're going to build things. If you know Jim, and you've known him for a while, he's going to do things out of the box. And that's probably why we've been so connected for so long, right? It's because you're going to do things out of the box. And I just, like, uh, admonish you, stay with them. Be encouraged in this process. Don't quit on this journey. Keep moving forward because you will build a strong, listen, foundation that the devil can't kick. The devil can't come in and produce an earthquake and, and crack it up. No, 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 no. You're going to produce a foundation here that will be strong and will be solid in the Lord. And you will. This is what I like. This is, I like churches that do this. I like churches that build with the community in mind. And you will be a community-minded church. And I just pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Father, I just pray right now. I know we've prayed several times. I won't pray again, God, for the future of this house. Lord, I pray for Pastor Jim and Joy, Lord, that their vision would be greater than even they can imagine. Lord, I pray that they would do things that they never thought they would do. Think things they never thought they could think. Lord, imagine things that never even worked up in those brains. God, I just pray that right now you put them in front of the right people. Lord, as they endeavor to reach out to the military, as they endeavor to reach out to those who are hurt and lost and the ones that no one else will reach in the city, God, that's their heart. I pray, God, that you would give them what no one else has gotten, God, that they would build a whole house, a big church, a community full of people that are longing to know you. Lord, bring the broken. Bring the drug addicts, Lord. Bring the ones that are divorced. Bring the ones that are hurting. Bring the ones that are full of addiction and pain. God, bring them to this house that Jim enjoy. And this body of leaders, God, will be able to move forward and minister 
the true spirit and heartbeat and kingdom of Christ. Lord, let it be done in this house. Lord, I just pray through my own, my own power, my own voice, my own anointing, God, that you would speed up the process, be even faster than they would think. And I just believe that right now, God, in the next three years, five years, they would look back and go say things like this, that we never thought we'd be doing this now. We never thought we would be this by now. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, for blessing upon blessing in this house. In Jesus' name. And if you believe that with me, would you say amen? Amen. Turn with me your Bible to Genesis chapter 8. Genesis 8. I don't want to be super lengthy this morning. I want to walk through just a couple little things with you this morning that, that, that I live, that, that I believe is going to help not only me, but you in the months, weeks, years to come. Genesis 8, I was reading with my kids just two weeks ago. We're reading through the Bible in chronological order here, and we, we got to this point, and you know every once in a while God gives you like these words that leap off the page. I mean, you've read something a million times, and all of a sudden it's just like, boom, here it is. I was reading through with my kids and my family. I was reading through Genesis 8, and the earth was about to be dried. Right? God had already sent the floods. He destroyed the earth, wiped off all the evil. He was about to renew. And Noah, remember Noah, he sent out the raven, and there was that whole process. Then he sent out the dove, and there was that whole process. And now it comes to a point in Genesis chapter 8, looking at verse 15. It says, Then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you, your wife, your sons, your wives with you. Bring out every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds, animals, creeping things, all those things. And then may you be fruitful and multiply. The words that leapt out off the page at me were this. Get out of the ark. One translation just says, get out of the ark. One of them says, get out of the boat. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, right? You don't see the word boat too much in the Bible. Like, get out. And, and for me, that's, that's really strong for me to see because I tell my wife this all the time. I hear go more than I hear no. I know that's not surprising, right? I'm going to hear go more than I hear no. And when I saw this that day, it just left out the page of me. It was two weeks ago. And it just like every day, it's just been in my mind. Get out of the ark. 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 And the Lord just kind of worked this mindset through me on this. That what kept them safe during a time of struggle and during a season of flood was not the same structure. It was not the same house. It was not the same boat that they were to remain in for the rest of their days. God had the boat for a season, but the season was over. And it took God in his big booming voice to take his 12-inch boot. I don't know. He was probably wearing boots. He's probably from Marble Falls or something, right? He took his 12-inch boot and said, kaboom, get out the boat. Get out the house. And all of us that are parents, we know that, that at some point you got to do that to your own kids. Like put the 12-inch and go, boom, it's time for you to get out of the ark. And yet God says that to us because why? We're humans. We are Christians, and we come to the place where it gets so easy, it gets so comfortable being safe and secure. And being in that ark seems like it's better for our future than going out to what Noah and his family were about to walk into a unique environment. <laughs> like we understand North Texas 2015, we doubled our rainfall in a normal year. And we know what that looked like and how it was a little abnormal. Like we're driving down roads going, there's never been water there. We're looking at places going, whoa, those riverbeds and those river sides have literally eroded away. I, I've heard of people up on the Red River that have lost hundreds and hundreds of acres of their own land because the river and the water has totally eroded their land. It's different. And now no one is telling me walk out on uncharted territory. They've never been in a place like this. And yet I hear God saying the same thing to me 
and my family, and I believe you and your family and all saints in the church, get out of the ark. It's time to move forward. Where we stayed at one point, now God's calling us to go out. And he said, if I'm calling you out, I'm also giving you the tools, the resources, the energy, the hope. I'm putting it all in there. And I'm giving you the same command that I gave you in the beginning to go out and what? Be fruitful and multiply. And when we have that same spirit of reproduction, if you know what I'm talking about, if we have that same spirit of moving forward, then God will always sustain us and give us a building of a place and establishment to bring us security because that's like one of the most uh, felt things that we need as humans security and structure and knowing everything's going to be okay and God says come on man get get up out the ark it's time to do something big for him amen so I hear go more than I hear no and I I just I just sensed that was a word for you this morning Jim and I talked last Sunday and we're talking about what the church is going through and that just leapt out at me that it's time to get out of the ark. And so what do I mean by getting out of the ark this morning? I mean doing some things sometimes that are a little bit uncomfortable for us. And can I be honest with you? One of the things that's the most uncomfortable for Kyle Embry is this. You ready? It's going to be a shocker. Evangelism. No, 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 Kyle, no, no, no. You just showed, you just showed us a video where you're up in front of 950 kids, and they gave you a microphone, and you're screaming and hollering, and you preach, and there was like 76 came to Jesus Christ. I'm being, I'm being serious. This week, I'll talk to 1,100 students. We get to preach at night, all that kind of stuff. There won't be a nervous bone in my body. I'm just being honest with you. I, I, I'm at the place now where God has gifted me. I know my talents, my skills. I'm in my zone. I can get up and preach in front of all these people and not be one bit nervous. But watch this. Go talk to my neighbor two doors down that's mowing his lawn about Jesus Christ. I all of a sudden become a sixth grade middle school boy. My voice starts cracking. Come on, mashed potatoes in my left cheek. I, I struggle. Come on, walk into an establishment like this. Me and my daughter went to this little place called Penn Station. There's a little sub shop by our house. We walked into Penn Station. I felt like God gave me a word for the guy who was clearly the manager of the place. I felt like he gave me a word. And I was sitting there. I was ordering my sub sandwich. I was like crying. I was like, oh, man. And guess what I didn't do? I didn't give him the word. I was scared to death. Speak to 2,000 students. Easy. Preach and give an altar call. Easy. Go next door to my neighbor. To talk to someone in my foursome, in my golf team, right, that I just got paired up with about Jesus, it's often hard. Struggle with it. And yet God's the whole time saying, come on, God, get out of the ark. Get out of your place of comfortability. Get out of the place where I've called you to be. Let's go into this place and let's find something new. Evangelism has got to be one of the things that has almost killed the church. Because why? We've stayed in the ark too long instead of getting out of this place to reproduce and multiply and tell someone the good news about Jesus. Share our story. Feel compassion. Walk with the ways of the kingdom that Jesus did. Are you following me? This is obviously a struggle, not just for me, but I bet this morning a lot of you. Sharing our faith. If we could just break it down real simple. Changing the conversations to Jesus. It's easy to talk about what's going on with the Texas Longhorns. Oh, man, they got a new coach, man. Seasons haven't been very good. Or, oh, let's talk about the Cowboys, man. They all seen the Cowboys. They're really bad this year. Right, right, right. I mean, we can talk about the weather. Oh, did you see how cold it was outside? And we talk about so much stupid stuff. And we never bring it to a point where we change the conversation to talk about Christ. It's really the thing that matters most. So I want to walk you through Acts chapter 8, what I believe was a just a quick little formula 
It's just a way, if you will. I know formula may be a bad word. You may not be good at math or whatever. But, but it's just a little formula that God kind of walked me through on how I could more easily share my faith. Does that make sense? Because a lot of times in the past, we have, like, uh, categorized evangelism as going and knocking on someone's door, yelling at them that they're going to hell, turning around and leaving and, and not knowing the results. Come on. It, it, evangelism sometimes has been chalked up to pushing people down. Come on, standing on the street corners on our soapboxes. We all, when we say the word evangelist or evangelism or sharing our faith, we have all of these weird concepts and, and things, models in our mind that a lot of us normal people, man, we would never do that. But I'm about to show you a way in Acts chapter 8 that we all can do that. It doesn't mean we have to lead a children's ministry. It doesn't mean we ever have to have mic and sing on a stage or preach or do some seven project. But what I'm about to show you takes away the excuses from us all on how we start conversations and we share our faith in places of life. Amen? So here we go. Acts chapter 8, we look at verse 26. It's a story about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Verse 26 says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Everybody say desert place. And he rose. Philip did. And he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, a lot of titles, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come from Jerusalem to worship and was returning, returning, seated in his chariot and was reading from the prophet Isaiah. Verse 29 said, the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, heard what he was reading in the book of Isaiah, and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me, or one translation says, teaches me. And then he invited Philip to come in and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip, key. Then Philip opened his mouth and began with the scriptures and told him the good news. Or we could equal that we could, we could make the substitution there. Told him the good news about Jesus Christ. Oh, my man Tanner. Tanner, I want you to come help me out this morning. With a little illustration here, I know you're probably going to be embarrassed, but this is all you got to do. Sit in this nice red chair. Easy enough, huh? Thanks, Tanner. Philip heard the voice of an angel. And where did he say go? Down to this road, down to this desert place. So all of a sudden, Philip, he's living his normal life. He's hanging out at Chili's. Come on. He's down there at River City Grill. He's just hanging out. And all of a sudden, kaboom, an angel shows up and says, go down to this road. And it, no, it's a desert place. Now, this is what always happens, right? God always calls us to desert, dark places. I tell this to students all the time. God's calling you every day to a desert, dark place. And it's called your school. And for most of us that are in the workplace, God's already calling us to a desert dark place too because you know the vileness, the evil, come on, the language, the thoughts, all the stuff that's going on in your workplace. God's calling you every day to a desert dark place. So an angel shows up and says, kaboom, you got to go down to this place. And I like Philip because he was really, really eager and obedient. He just went. He, he went down. Did he know what he was going to do? No, no, no. He just went down. I think he's probably like, oh, man, what's going on? Maybe he's just hanging out, probably playing on his iPad, or he may have been riding around on his hoverboard, you know, hopefully the battery's not going out. 
I mean, he was just chilling. He was just walking. And watch this, waiting. Walking and waiting. And all of a sudden, as he was walking and waiting by the angel's instructions, what does the scripture say? That the spirit spoke to Philip. And watch the key here. Philip was in a place to where he could hear. His antennas were up. His ears were open. His heart and his mind was ready for action. And the spirit spoke and said what? The spirit spoke and said, go over and join the chariot. The problem with us is this. Most of the time, we're honest with ourselves, we're never in a place to where we are open and ready for the Spirit to speak. We're, pre- we're preoccupied with what's going on in our life. Like, often we're worried about, oh, did I brush my teeth? Oh, how does my hair look today? I mean, oh, does my butt look fat in these jeans? I mean, like, we're all worried about all this stuff. And usually, if we're being honest with ourselves, the majority of the time we're worried about stuff that does with us, and we, when we're worried about just us, no one changes but maybe us. And that's very rare, right? Oh, because we, we never really change. But if God can get us in a place where we'll be open to the Spirit, the Spirit, this is what I believe, will speak to us more about other people than often ourselves. And so Philip's walking along. He's on this journey. He's riding his hoverboard. He's just hanging out. And then all of a sudden, kaboom, the Spirit speaks about someone over at Waffle House, about someone over at Walmart, about someone over at River City Grill that's at a table three down from me. Come on. The Spirit wants to speak to us. You know what happens for me? We were talking earlier, Pastor Jim, Jared. We're, often, like, this is a dangerous place for me to get on, and that's my bike. I get on my cycle, my bike, and I go riding for a couple hours I always come back with some idea, with something the Spirit spoke to me. It's a dangerous place. A lot of my materials and resources that we've built with Youth Alive have come from my butt on a bike seat, right? And just riding and just riding. And God's saying this and this and this. Why? Because I have put myself in a place to where the Spirit can speak. So the Spirit spoke. What did he say? Real simple. Often he speaks simple things. Go over to the chariot. What did he say? He said, go over and join this chariot. So watch this. This is the nice chariot. This, we're going to pretend like Tanner's the Ethiopian eunuch today, right? He was a man, this, this man right here was a man of prestige, a man of power, of influence. He was second in all the command of Ethiopia. He had all this stuff. He, he was riding in a nice thing. Like, we don't understand chariots today. So let's just say you're riding in a nice red Lamborghini, right? This is what it looks like. He's like, this is really cool right here. So this is what it said, Spirit. Go get up next to him. Go join it. Did he say go preach to him? No. Did he say go hold out your picket sign and say you're dying and going to hell if you don't accept Jesus? No. Did he say go invite him to church? Did he, did he, did he say um, go and make sure he gives his offering to the poor? No, no, no. He just said watch the key. He just said go join him. Hmm. Generally backwards the way we've done evangelism in the church. What do we always say? <laughs> come to us. We are doing blank Y'all come to us. We have service on Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Y'all come to us. Hey, we got this outreach going on Saturday. Y'all come to us. Hey, y'all go, go, go. You you come to us. Come to us. But the Spirit spoke, you go to him. You go join him. You playing Pokemon? Go join him, right? You playing golf? Go join him. You riding hoverboards? Go join him. like, Like this was such key to me when I began to understand this because why? I'm 37 years now and in four months turned 38. It's ridiculous, isn't it? And in those 37 years of living, not once in all the houses I've ever lived in. I've lived in some houses, some apartments, some trailer houses. I mean, I've lived all over the joint. 
And not one time in all my living has anyone ever come to my door, knocked on the door, and said, will you tell me about Jesus? Not once. Probably haven't you either. I've been in a lot of places. I've had the opportunity with Youth Alive. Me and my wife a couple years ago, we got to go to Scotland. Come on, I've been to El Salvador like seven times. We got to go down to Africa a couple years ago. Been to China. Been to all these different places. Come on, man. I've been to Graham. I mean, how cool is that? I've been to Burn It. I mean, like all these different places. I even been to Granite Shoals one time. I mean, I've been a lot of different places. And not one time has anyone ever come up to me. And being like, dude, you look like such a powerful, anointed man of God. I am shaking in my boots right now because you look like such an awesome man. Would you pray for me right now that I could accept Jesus? In fact, most people are more underwhelmed with me than overwhelmed, right? They're like, hey, this is Kyle. And they're like, her, like, Kyle's like this guy that does these seven projects. And they look at me and they're like, oh, that's him? Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, so underwhelming, right? But not ever, not once has anyone ever come to me. And so the Spirit calls us. He woos us. He challenges us to come on, get out of the ark. It's time to get out of the place of comfortability and go join the chariot. Go join the little league soccer team. Go just get up. And what did he say? He said, as he was at that chariot, as he was there, he heard him reading from the book of Isaiah. Oh, this is awesome, right? He was reading something he was familiar with. There was something already that he saw in common. He didn't even know this was going to happen. As he got up next to him, he saw him going through something that he was an expert in. Come on. Philip was the prophet. was the man of God. And he heard him reading from Isaiah. And Philip just simply asked one question. That was it. Will you come to church with me? No, 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 no. Do you understand what you're reading? One open-ended question. And this is what I found. I'm just kind of teaching you as I go through the scripture today. Uh, when you get up next to people and you join their chariot, there will be at some point, I don't know if it's within the first 10 minutes, the three weeks, or maybe some of you take a year, that you find something in common that then you can ask the open-ended question that leads to the bigger question. Makes sense. I've had more spiritual conversations on the sidelines of my daughter's soccer team, of my son's baseball team. Come on, in all of those places of me going out and being there, and at some point not going, hey, man, we're watching these girls play soccer, and did you know that I preached at a school last week to 2,500 students? I'm a bad sucker. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. I'm just a dad. And at some point along the conversation, something triggers, and there's a point of connection, camaraderie. And then that's the point where the open-ended question comes. And for Philip that day, it was, do you understand what you're reading? And then I love his response. His response, the Ethiopian, his response was this. He was like, no, 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 how can I understand unless someone shows me, guides me, teaches me, cha-ching, like light bulb moment. Like, this is the cool part. This is when God begins to totally erupt in this conversation and bring light and hope that wasn't there before. I thought you said you're locking that back door. He brings light and hope into this conversation that wasn't there before. Watch this. As he begins to ask the question, he begins to bring the response. The conversation switches. And all of a sudden in that moment, a teacher shows up, a preacher shows up. A prophet shows up, and the spirit revealed the answer before the question was ever presented. 
And in that moment, I know I'm almost out of time. And in that moment, the Bible says that Philip unlocked the good news. He told him about Jesus. In that moment, this is the coolest part of it all. He, the Ethiopian, invited Philip into his red Lamborghini. <laughs> Come on, let's scoot over. He invited him in. It wasn't the opposite. How many times have we tried to force our way in? How many times have we obnoxiously done things to almost ruin a reputation instead of build strength in a relationship? He invited him in. It was totally on his terms now. He just did his job. He surrounded him. He's listening to the spirit. All of a sudden, he asked a question, and then all of a sudden, boom. Oh, no, I'm, I'm going in with the Ethiopian eunuch. And then there they were able to open the Bible and share the good news, talk about Jesus. The conversation switches. It's kind of why me and my wife, when we were youth pastors, we opened this, what we called free prayer tent. We saw it online. We saw some other churches doing it. And we're like, we're going to do it, right? Because so many times evangelism has such a bad name, and it's so uh, in your face. And we decided to go to a local shopping center that was next door to our church and do what we called free prayer tent. We just got one of those cheap tents from Walmart, you know, you're like, and it like always like touches your hand and like squeezes stuff. I mean, those things are real obnoxious. But we got one of those tents and we put on all four sides just in big letters, free prayer. And as youth pastors, we sectioned off Friday afternoons, Saturdays, and Sundays for people in our church, adults, students, all the like, that wanted to volunteer one hour and two hour shifts. And they would work that tent. This is all they did. They would just get those chairs from Walmart, too. You know, everything comes from Walmart. And they'd get those chairs, and they would just set in them under the tent, under the shade. We'd have some lemonade, maybe some snacks. And they'd just sit there for an hour to two hours and wait for what? Wait for someone to invite them into their life. And you say no one would show up. They did. They showed up. People, you'd be surprised how many people are hurting. They have no hope. They need prayer. They need someone to give them an answer. And so we just had people set up. And you say, no one came to your church from that. People did. People came to our church from that. And our pastor at the time was shocked. He's like, what are you guys doing? This is the craziest thing I've ever heard of. And people started coming to our church because we simply did a prayer tent. Did they all come to our prayer, our, our church? No. But I can tell you there was a steady stream of people that came to that prayer tent and got hope and an answer. What happened? We, as the youth pastors, decided to kick our people out of the ark and go do something a little different and do evangelism in a different way and come to people in their world, get up next to them, start conversations, change the conversations to begin to talk about the thing that really matters, and that's Jesus Christ. Come on, church. It's time to get out of the ark. But you know my fear? And this is where I am. My biggest fear is this, especially dealing with students today, and I know it's really not much different than their parents. The fear is, is that when we get to this point in the conversation, most of us truly don't know the gospel. We know what church is. We've been told that our whole life. We know how to sing five songs and the pastor would come up, bring a cute little sermon that have four points and they all start with P. Like, we get that. But, but to really, in a conversation, to share with them about Jesus. In fact, one of the things me and my family do, my wife and uh, my, my two kids, even when they were in kindergarten, we had them, and I know this is kind of cheesy, and you may go, oh, that's not for me, but a lot of people can't remember the Romans Road, and the Romans Road is perfect if you remember like that. Why? Because in a conversation like this, you can walk them through all sin and falling short of the God, glory of God. Come on. Uh, our wages of sin is death. 
When we were sinners, Christ died for us and demonstrated his own love for us and quenched and took away the wrath of God. No, I mean, we can do that, but sometimes, even when I was younger, the Romans road was almost too big for me. I was like, oh. So we, we adopted this in our family, and we put these in our Bible, and it's simply the, the gospel. It's an acrostic, G-O-S-P-E-L. And even my kids, you say, I can't memorize that. Come on, kindergartners did that. The G, God created us to be with him. The O, our sin separates us from God. The S, sins cannot be removed by good deeds. The P, paying the price for sins, Jesus died and rose again. The E, everyone who believes in Christ shall have eternal life. And the L, life with Christ starts now and lasts forever. That's it. So when I'm in this conversation and it switches, it turns, I'm up next to, I'm in their house. Come on, we're playing on the same golf Pairing. We're, 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 we're playing basketball on a Friday night at the YMCA, whatever it is, on the sidelines of a soccer game. When that conversation switches, those are some bullet points, some nuggets that I can interject into that conversation to bring them hope and scripture. Does that make sense? Most people don't have that. I'm just telling you the truth. Don't have that mindset, that mentality or foundation when it comes to the gospel. In fact, if I were to call up in a normal church service, five people and say, can you tell me what the gospel is? Maybe one gets it right. I'm telling you the truth. And if we can take something that's so foundational, Romans Road, the gospel acronym, whatever it is, and we can interject that in. And I say this, not super white guy style. Like if I'm standing on the soccer field with a dad, you know, and we're both talking, and I'm like, hey, can you just pause for a second and repeat after me? Gee, God created us to be with him. Oh, you don't want to do it super white guy style. But you flow, you use those rocks, those pillars as a foundation to say, did you know what? I may say the L before I ever get to the O. That life with Christ starts now, and it's not just about heaven, but it's now. Like Christ can change your life now. And yet a lot of people in, in, in society think that the Bible is all about a bunch of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. But I can simply say, I can pull one of those nuggets out of the G. And I can just simply say, did you know that God wants to be with you? God has a, come on, you feed off that. But we as a church, if we're going to go out into the world, we've got to take that gospel and begin to use it in our conversations to bring people. I know this is a heartbeat of your pastor, not just to church, but to know that they're blood-bought, they're saved, they're a Christian. So you can be seated, Tanner. i got to close with this. Um, one of the one of those things, one of those things that uh, God spoke to me on my bike ride. Is that riding? This was back when I had a cross hybrid. I didn't have the road back yet. I was riding a cross hybrid. That may be the problem. I was riding that cross hybrid. It was about 15, 20 miles. I was coming back in. I was rounding my street and I was making that turn around the cul-de-sac and I was going. And God told me to start. Some of you may know this: a Bible study on my street for men. Why, <laughs> Jim? You know. I get up in front of the chairs and scream at students all the time, go start a Bible club, go do something big for God on your campus, and I've got my finger pointing like this, and what are these three doing? Pointing right back at me. I felt like God told me to start a Bible club on my street. It's been a year and a half ago, and I did. Monday nights, 8 o'clock, we watch a little bit of a football game, and we just walk through Scripture. We went through Romans. Come on, we went through Hebrews. We're just going through uh, uh, James. We're, we're going through line by line the Bible. And can I tell you, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. Why? Because I've lived on my street 12 stinking years. I've seen a lot of fruit in Marble Falls, in Austin, in Tyler, Texas, in Dallas, Texas. But I've seen over those 12 years zero fruit on my street. 
God was shaking my cage as I was riding that, come on, that specialized cross hybrid. I was riding it in, and God says, when are you going to do something big on your street? I want to make you uncomfortable, Kyle. I'm ready to kick you out of the car. Can I tell you, it's been difficult. There are times when no one comes. They all text me. I'm working late. I'm in San Antonio tonight. I got this thing. And, that. and there's times we don't have it. There's times when I can't be there. There's times when we've had five or six. There's times when I've even been really, really stretched because of my upbringing. We had beer at my Bible study. Whoa. <laughs> I was messed up, man, because I was raised cute little squeaky white, white boy in an AG church, and we weren't supposed to be around that stuff. But, hey, if I'm going to reach the sinners, I had to come to groups. Me and my wife talked about it. These guys can bring beer to my Bible study, and I'd be okay with it. Whoa. We've had nights where it didn't seem like anything was really happening. We've had nights when tears were falling down. We've had nights where there's guys asking awkward questions. We've had nights where we've talked and prayed over one single guy and the things he's going in. But you know what I found? That's Christ. That's the kingdom. That's family. Preaching and church service and worship and skinny jeans and cool shirts and tattoos on my side. Come on, that pseudo-Christian world. What really happens is in our neighborhoods and our streets. And what would happen if we were kicked out of the ark, which would be the church? And we would go to our neighborhoods, the guys mowing their grass. Because I've been told no. no I, I've been laughed at by one of my guys who lives two doors down, inviting me to my Bible study. It was hard, man. I'm telling you, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. But he said, no, nah, I'm not really interested in that, and kind of chuckled under his voice. I've been told that they would show up, and they don't show up. And i got to be honest, not every time am I eager to go ask again. But God has still called me to reach my street. And not just my street, Prescott Circle in Flower Mound, Texas, but your streets need to be reached too. And the way we build our church is not by having better music or a better sermon. We've got plenty of that. We build the church by being better people in our communities, full of compassion, out of the ark, getting up next to them, and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Father, I just pray today. That somehow, some way, Lord, you have sparked, not just in Tanner today, God, as he was my illustration, but in someone here, the life, the encouragement, come on, the spark, God, to get up out the ark, to be fruitful, to multiply, to begin to use this little model, Lord, it's just a simple little model of me getting up next to people, starting conversations, letting those conversations change, and then me interjecting the gospel, real simple, but yet so hard. God, I pray today over this church, Mosaic, that you would, Lord, just erupt in this place, Lord, full of, full of evangelism, full of evangelists who are not ashamed of the gospel. Father, people who know the gospel inside and out of what you did on that cross. I didn't have time to get into it today, God, but what, what a great, 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 the, the backbone, the big story of the Bible that you sent your son, God, on the cross to die in our place, to quench the wrath of God, to keep us from hell, to come in and bring healing and life and vitality and so much uh, energy to us, God, hope to us. That story, that story. question for you this morning, church, is this, as we just close in prayer. If you're here this morning, you say, Kyle, that's me. I, I have been 
weak in that area. I have been scared in that area. I've been anxious in that area. I know God's called me to do those things, but I, I know he wants more for me in my neighborhood. I, want, I know he wants more for me in my job. I just want to pray for you before Pastor Jim comes and closes. You say, Kyle, that's me. Just lift your hand in the air right now, just up and back down, just, just as a sign. Say, yeah, that, that's me. I'm nervous, and I need help. Thank you, young man. Thank you. Someone else, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you, young man. Someone else, you say, I know God wants me to share my faith, but I've been a little reluctant and a little scared. And I just need some help today, some prayer today that God would give me, he would show me the right way. Anyone else? Five, six, seven, thank you. Hands have been raised. Let's all stand on our feet this morning. Maybe, maybe, I don't know what you're comfortable with, joining hands with someone next to you, putting a hand on their shoulder, whatever makes you comfortable. Can we just join together um, and, and pray for one another on this topic, on this heartbeat, that God would help us go into our neighborhoods to get out of the ark? Come on. Can we just join and just begin to pray together right now?
Father, we just wait on you. We just wait on you, God. Just wait on you, God. And Father, I just pray for our little ones, God, our kids and our grandkids. Lord, that you would help them to be the evangelist as well. That you would put in them, Lord, a heartbeat to reach out to their friends at school, for their peers, God, that they even... As stupid as it sounds, connect with on social media, but may they be a light on Instagram. May they share their faith, Lord, through Facebook and Twitter. Lord, help them today, Lord, that in these last days, Lord, we believe that you're coming soon. And may even our kids and grandkids be little evangelists. Not be ashamed of the gospel, but yet do it a different way. Not succumbing to peer pressure or trying to be popular, but Lord, that they would be so different, Lord, they would be radicals. Father, help us today to not be so preoccupied about what others think and become so paralyzed by what others feel that we bring the hope of the gospel, the hope of the gospel. Pastor Jim, I want you to come and close this out. Listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know God, you don't know Jesus, we're, we're going to be up here at the front at the end, and you say, Kyle, I got sin in my life. There's things that I'm doing I know I shouldn't be doing, and I need that hope. I need that answer. I need to get saved like the Ethiopian eunuch did, and I want you to come find one of us, and we'll pray for you at the end. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, one of the things that I will say about uh, this this whole journey of Mosaic and and kind of the things that we've done here, just to kind of really close this out and expound on what he's saying. I heard from a youth pastor a long time ago when, when it came to youth ministry, he said, uh, do not ever tell a kid uh, or invest into a kid and tell a kid all these dreams and fill them up with all this hope and then never be there for them. And, and, and one of the things that that was, a, where that was a big encouragement for me, it was like, you know, for, for if, if you're going to just only spend a couple of years in a kid, don't get their all hopes up and tell them all this great things that you're never going to follow through and see them through. I mean, one of the great things about parents is parents see it till it's finished, till it's done. And we always fall back to our parents because of things like that. Because why? Because they are always there. And, and I would go even just a step farther uh, 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 just and I think it's the Holy Spirit uh, this morning as to say this that when we approach somebody to evangelize, it's not so we can notch something across the belt. And if you can't provide the friendship form that God has called you and the compassion to see them through life and the hardships and know that they're going to have times where they fall back or there's going to be times you struggle, man, you you need to rethink about your compassion for people. <laughs> You know, because it can't just be another notch in the belt. It can't be just another, well, got that one saved. Now let's go to the next one. And then they have nobody to help walk them through. Mosaic can't be about that. It can never be about numbers. It can never be about, well, we had this many get saved today, but our church, our, you know, our growth has never happened. It's not going to be about that. It has to be about, yes, we want to see people saved. Why? Because Jesus wants people to know him. <laughs> And he wants them to come be where he is. He's worked hard and tirelessly to create a place, he said, that is prepared for us. And God has called us to be his extension, to, to invite them in. And not, listen, we got to learn to live together. You know? 
And I, I'm just going to warn you here when we take this uh, uh, type of attitude with God will call you to people. You're like, I don't know. I want to live next to him, God. I know because I'm still working on you, too. And just know that as God calls you to evangelize and God calls you to reach out to your community, God will always call you to people who test you. Why? Because the chisel always hurts against the stone. God is shaping you and molding you into his image to where you can love anybody and everybody and will walk through them. Let's not forget Peter had a problem with his mouth and uh, the rest of them had all kinds of issues. Judah, Judas was loved the entire time and everybody knew he was a thief. Come on, some of y'all be angry at me if I hired a guy we knew was a thief as the accountant for the church. But Jesus did it because I love him. What do you want me to do about it? I love him. I forgive him. God's forgiven you. Let's, let's return the favor to others. And let's be prepared to walk with people too. Amen? Amen. What a wonderful word this morning. Listen, before you go, can we, can we, just, can we just do this? I mean, we, we're going we're gonna, to uh, uh, bless him. But, but can we just do this? Uh, you know, we have extra offering envelopes in the back. Would you just see it before you leave today and think about, uh, you know, a gift for, for Kyle and Janelle and his ministry and, uh, just, and, and whatever that is, whatever God lays on your heart. We as a church, we're already going to do something anyway, but if you would just do that. And, 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 and listen, uh, I'm telling you, wonderful things. You know, uh, he didn't get to say it. He didn't, he didn't get into it. Uh, but uh, I get to, I could brag on him a little bit, uh, is uh, when we first did the 7 Project here in Marble Falls, I think one of the greatest things that happened in the 7 Project wasn't necessarily all the kids that came to the altar, which, by the way, was a couple hundred. Can you tell you what the biggest surprise was for Marble Falls? And all of a sudden, Marble Falls found it had strength and errors they didn't know, was kingdom. Turns out there is quite a few pastors that love to cross the denominational lines. There was 11 churches that came together to do the 7 Project here. Church of Christ joined us. I know they think they're going; they're the only ones. But you know, we won't tell them any different. It's okay. I love my Church of Christ brothers, man. They got some great, wonderful people over there. But let me tell you something: anything that can bring us together. How I many you know that's a good ministry? And kingdom ministries are godly ministries. Amen. Kingdom ministries, ones that bring us together, those are the best ones. Those are the best ones. They they look past our doctrinal division and just join us as friends. Don't you want to be a part of something like that? That's why we're supporting Kyle Edwards. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the challenge and the encouragement, God. Now, Father, as they get ready to go today, Father, I pray that you would just be with them and bless them, God. That, Father, that you would encourage them and lift them up, God. That you would show them and bring them opportunities, Father. Opportunities, God. Lord, to walk alongside hand in hand, and see something from start to finish, God, that they may not not just say yes to you, but that they one day will go for you as well, and do and perform all that you called them to do, and Lord, and just simply enjoy being one of yours. Father, there's so many that are, are waiting to be awakened, God. Father, show us the sleepwalkers that we might awake up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys. We appreciate everybody for coming. Uh, we thank you so much, uh, and we love you. We love you. Amen.